We're hurting and despairing, wrestling with life in a culture opposed to Jesus. Storm clouds are mounting on the horizon as marginalization increases. We need hope, reminders of what is true, instructions for how to persevere. We must remain resilient. So we're, we're in the middle of a series. We have, this week and next week left in it, in a series called Resilient. And resilient is, is like kind of a buzzword right now. It's in podcasts and articles, and, and people are talking about how to bounce back after the pandemic. How do you be resilient in life? How do you, how do you come out of really difficult seasons? And resiliency is the ability to bounce back. Resiliency is the ability to get through hard times. And the reality is, is that the last several years, have been a lot of adversity. Right, right now, wherever you are in your life, you're in the midst of some kind of adversity. It could be at work, it could be at school if you're a student, it could be with parenting, some kind of relationship, finances, health, but you're experiencing adversity in some kind of way. Something is pushing up against you and keeping you from where you want to be, where you think God wants you to be, where you hope to be, and to get to that place, you need to have resilience. You need to have the ability to keep moving forward, to keep taking one step after the other, even when you take like three steps back, but you need to keep moving forward. And so in this series, we've been looking at what does it take to be a resilient person? What does it take to have a resilient faith? Especially a resilient faith because, as we're gonna see today, a resilient faith is required to move forward. And a resilient faith is one that moves forward when they're not sure what God is doing, when they're not sure where God is, when they're not sure how God is speaking or moving. A resilient faith is one that moves forward in the midst of disappointment. Like maybe for you, this happened to me this week where, where there was something that I was asking God for and, and God just said no on it. And I thought, no, that was not the right answer. That was not the right answer. That is not at all what I wanted you to do. But a resilient faith is one that moves forward in the midst of a closed door. A resilient faith is one that moves forward when God says, this isn't the time. A resilient faith is one that moves forward in the midst of a foggy road when you don't know what's on the other side. See, because resiliency is seen in the everyday decisions that you and I make. And, and, and studies will tell us that, that we make thousands of decisions every day. Thousands of decisions. So far up until this point, you have made at least 300 decisions today without even knowing it. Now, most of the decisions that we make, we, we don't think about. We just do it subconsciously, right? We, we get up. I'm sure you have the exact same order of things that you do every time you wake up in the morning. You do the exact same thing. You could probably tell me, if I asked you to list out the order of the things that you did, you could tell me what number you pick up your phone. Is it the third thing you do, the first thing you do? Right? My phone is the second thing that I do. I put my glasses on, and then I pick up my phone. All of us, but so to have a resilient faith gets into decision-making because decision-making gets us out of the places that we are. Decision-making is how we move forward. And in decision-making, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, there's a question that we have, and that is, what part does God's voice play in the decisions that we make? 
Because here's one of the things, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you've wondered, how do I know if God is speaking to me? How do I know what God wants me to do with my life? If you're a student, one of the questions that you're going to wrestle with is, what is God's will for my life? And many of us, when you get into your 40s and 50s, you go, okay, so what is God's will for my life? Like, what do I do now? Like, every life stage that we kind of go through, there's this question, okay, so what's next? What does God want me to do next? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you maybe you go, I don't know if God speaks. Like, I don't know if God's going to speak to me. But how do you make decisions? How do, how do you figure out what to do and which way to go when you're at a fork in the road? What do you do? How do you know if it's something you should do, something you just want to do? How do you know if it's just a feeling that you had? How do you know if it's because you ate something too late last night and so you had this crazy dream and you think, well, I got to do that? How do you know? How do you know if God is speaking and moving? Now, here's the thing. This is so important as we're going to see today. There is a difference, a crucial, crucial difference between hearing God and doing what God says. There's a crucial difference between hearing what God says and doing what God says. Here's the thing. If you have read one verse in this book, in the Bible, you know what? You have heard God speak. Okay, we've, we're told in Scripture that God's word, that when we open this, that it is, it is alive, it is active, it is God speaking to us, it is the inspired, authoritative word of God to us. So every time you read a verse, any verse, you have heard God speak. Millions of people throughout history have heard God speak. And a fraction of them have done what he says. Here's, here's how I know. Okay? Have you ever had a time in your life where you knew that you should say something to somebody? Like, have you ever had a moment? Maybe it's just me. So have you ever had a moment where you're like, you know what, I should apologize to that person. I should probably say something. I should probably humble myself and say, like this happens as a parent a lot of times where you go, you know, I should probably apologize to my kids. But how many times have you felt like you should do something, felt like you should say something, felt like you should go and give somebody a smile or a hug or listen to somebody and then you didn't do it? How many times have you seen somebody who needed help and you went, you know what, I, I'm just not going to. I bet you somebody else will do it. God will probably talk to somebody else about it. You know, I probably don't need to apologize. They know I'm sorry. You know, they, they, and, and, and they were really at fault too. There's a difference between hearing what God says and doing what God says. And one of the things that resilient disciples do is they do what God says. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. And this is where we're headed today. And when I say it, you're going to think, okay, this is why I came to church. Like, I came to church for this really simple thing, Josh. Like, you're, you're going to be you're gonna be blown away by this statement, okay? Like, I, are you ready? Like, I, I need you to be ready. Like, you're going to be stunned and amazed by this, okay? Here we go. God is always speaking to you and me. But we aren't always listening. And you may wonder, okay. Yeah, but what about the times that, like, I don't know that he's speaking? Like, what about the times when he feels really silent? Scripture is really, really clear that God is always speaking. You and I just aren't always listening. You and I just aren't always paying attention. You and I just aren't always ready for it. Now, maybe you're new. Maybe, maybe you're new to following Jesus. You're trying to figure out Christianity, and you wonder, does God really speak? I mean, I hope he does, but does God really speak? 
And in fact, Chris mentioned earlier on our Connect card, if you check the Next Step email box, tomorrow we're going to send to you different ways that God speaks. How do you know that God is speaking? But to kind of tease it out a little bit, I want you to think about it like this, okay? God speaks through a variety of different ways. We're told in scripture that he speaks through his word. He speaks through songs. God speaks through silence. Okay, that's a really crucial one. God speaks through the silence and the desert wilderness seasons that you walk through. That's God speaking. God speaks through signs around us. He speaks through nature. God speaks through community and relationships as we're gonna see today. God speaks in the people around us, even though you don't wanna hear it. Right? Students, God speaks through your parents, even though you don't want to pay attention. And parents, God is speaking to you through your students. God speaks through your fears and your desires and your feelings. God speaks through those. God speaks through the things that you long for, the things that you hope for. Here's a, here's a big one. God speaks through open and closed doors. Okay, this is really, really important because we think, many times, we think the only way that God speaks is through an open door. That's, not, that's only half the, half the case. When God closes a door, that's God speaking. That's God speaking. Now, here's the thing. Often, at least in my faith journey, here's how I've kind of described it. I only see God speaking many times if I like it. Hey, I, I, don't, I don't like closed doors. <laughs> I want it to be really obvious. But I wonder if sometimes we just miss things because we're just not paying attention. And if we're not paying attention and if we don't listen, or if there's this situation and God speaks to you and you don't listen, you don't do what he says, and then I wonder if at some point God just goes, man, I keep talking to you and I, like you're just not listening. You're not moving forward. And so in Daniel 5, we see this incredible story of how God speaks, but how people miss it. Because we, the, the people in Daniel 5, there's only one person that actually hears God and does what he says. Now, Daniel 5, if you've been following along, Daniel 5 takes place roughly 25 years after Daniel 4. Now, Daniel 4, if you were here last week, Chris walked us through Daniel 4, and it ends with King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of his life following after God, finally humbling himself and following after God. But it's an interesting cycle because in Daniel chapter five, we have several generations later, okay? Historians believe that between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, which we're gonna see in Daniel five, there were three different kings between them. Belshazzar is part of the family tree of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, as Daniel 5 opens, here's what we notice about Belshazzar. Belshazzar is not following after God. He doesn't want to have anything to do with God. Now, here's Nebuchadnezzar at the end of his life, following and worshiping God, and here is his grandson having nothing to do with God. Now, this is an important cycle. Parents, I don't want you to miss this, and if you're at a place where you're getting ready to get married, I don't want you to miss this cycle, because in Scripture, there's an important cycle that happens in our spiritual journeys. And one of that cycle is, that there's a, there's a relationship, there's parents that follow and worship after God. And then their kids, some of them, follow and worship after God. And then those kids, less of them follow and worship after God. And then until finally, in that third, fourth, fifth generation, almost no one is worshiping and following God. And for many of us, this is, this is your journey. 
And it's important for you to understand where you are in this life cycle because this is a life cycle that we see all throughout scripture and families. This is an important life cycle. And one of the things that we see is that there's an intentionality as faith is passed down. Now, on your way in, I want to draw attention to this. On your way in, you've got a card. It says future family on it. Because in two weeks, we're going to start a series on your future family. Now, here's why. If you're a parent or a grandparent, or if you're about to start a family, here's one of the things that you care about. You care about the people in your family. You care about your closest relationships. But most parents have more of a plan for their child's education and financial future than they do for their spiritual future. Now, you can't make your kid follow Jesus. You can't make your kid really do anything. You can't even make them eat vegetables as a three-year-old. Like, you can't, you can't will your child into a relationship with Jesus. But one of the things Scripture does teach us is that there are things that we can do. There are influences that we can have. And what we see with Nebuchadnezzar, and this is important with Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, is that Nebuchadnezzar is worshiping God and Belshazzar is not. And so there's this question of, like, well, what happened in between there? I mean, because Daniel was there. I mean, what happened? Why, what, did, what did Belshazzar miss? What did Nebuchadnezzar miss? And so in this series, as we look in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at, like, what's the goal of family? We're going to look at how you pass things on in your family. And this is really important. We're going to look at the goal of family, the goal of parenting. The goal of parenting is to raise healthy adults who are mature in their faith. And we miss that a lot of times. And so this is how we start off in Daniel 5. This is really important. I, I love Daniel 5. This is such a funny story, okay? There's gonna be so many things you're gonna just be blown away by, okay? So here's Daniel 5, verse one. Belshazzar throws a, throws a party. Why not? He's a king. Let's throw a party. So he throws a party. And King Belshazzar has a great feast for a thousand of his nobles. And they drank wine in his presence. And under the influence of wine, Belshazzar gave orders to bring in the gold and silver vessels that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from temple in Jerusalem. So the king and his nobles, wives and concubines, could drink from them. So here's this party. Belshazzar is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. He's thousands of people. They're drinking wine. It's a lot of fun. And it says under the influence of wine, which is really important because, it, you know, Scripture's pointing out, like, this is probably not a good decision. What follows is not wise, right? If you've ever been in this place where you've had a little too much to drink, you probably ended up with some regrets. You probably don't look back on that night and go, you know what, that was, that was a good night. That was, we made wise choices that night. So under the influence of wine, Belshazzar says, hey, go and get all the vessels out of the temple that we brought back from Jerusalem. Now here's what happens. As we looked at in Daniel 1, when Nebuchadnezzar conquered the people of God, he not only takes these people captive, but then he takes things from their temple. And he does this to show not only is he more powerful than the people he conquered, but he's also showing, I am more powerful than the God you worship. And so this is a way, Nebuchadnezzar, when he brings these vessels to his temple, this is a way of spitting in the face of God. And Belshazzar does the same thing. He says, let's bring them in, and instead of using them to worship, let's just use them to party. Let's drink out of them. So they bring them in. They bring them in and they start drinking out of it. And then this is what happens next in verse five. At that moment, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. And as the king watched the hand that was writing, his face turned pale 
and his thoughts so terrified him that he soiled himself and his knees knocked together. Okay, I want you to picture this. So, I mean, you're the king. I mean, like, when I think about, like, when I envision these, like, I think of, like, you know, the, the person, you know, in the Last Kingdom books, and, like, you know, I'm thinking of, like, William Wallace, like, he's this king, like, this manly guy, and he just turns pale. I mean, that had to be a moment at the party. Like, does anybody, do you think anyone stand there like, hey, do you think the king knows that he just went to the bathroom? Don't tell him. Don't say anything. Like, you know, it's like, it's like that moment where you're, like, embarrassed for somebody, and you're like, and here's, here's the thing, though, as we read this verse. This seems crazy. I mean, think about it for a moment. I mean, I want you to imagine that you're somewhere, and all of a sudden, a hand appears and begins writing on a wall. Like, just imagine that. Imagine that you go to coffee this week, and somebody says, hey, I've got to tell you something incredible. Like, I was just sitting there in my dining room, just minding my own business, and out of nowhere, this hand appeared and just started writing on the wall. Do you know what you would say to them? Were you drinking? Like, are you sure? That seems a little crazy. I, I don't know. But here's the thing. Is that crazier than God speaking to you? I mean, think about how crazy it is that, that we believe that God speaks to us. And yet, in this moment, Belshazzar is not looking for it. Now, I'm going to get to it in a minute. I'll, I'll tell you why I don't think it was just because he was drunk, and I don't think he imagined it. But how many times have you asked God for a sign? Like, you just say, God, if you could just put it up in the sky, like, if you could just give me a sign, you're thinking, you know, do I, is now the moment for me to get married? Do I, is now the moment for me to get this job? Do I buy a house? And then all of a sudden, you're like, I just keep seeing all these things about weddings. So, like, maybe it's time for me to get married. Or, but then this is what we do when we like see the sign that God gives us. Have you ever noticed this? It's probably for somebody else. I bet you that sign's for somebody else. Well, what is God doing? God is speaking in this moment. God is speaking in this moment. And I think sometimes we miss what God is doing, how God is speaking, because we pigeonhole how God speaks, how God moves. And all throughout scripture, God speaks in different ways. God speaks through animals. And that's a crazy story in the Old Testament. And we pigeonhole how he speaks. But remember, God is always speaking. We just aren't always listening. God is always speaking. Now, the question, did he imagine it? The reason I don't think he imagined it, because we're told in verse 5, that he calls all the king's wise men. So all the king's wise men come in, the, the seers, the, the wizards, you know, the, all the magicians, you know, everybody comes in. The people who tell the king what to do, the advisors, they all come in, but none could read the inscription or make its interpretation known to him. So his wise men come in and they could all see it. They just couldn't read it. The whole room saw it. Then when that happens, King Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face turned pale and his nobles were bewildered. Now, this is the moment where the party goes from like bad to worse. I mean, here's this scene. They're having a great time. The, the wine is flowing. They're laughing. And he's terrified. And we're told because of the outcry that then the queen came in, his mom I wonder, like, this had to be an incredible moment, right? Like, here they are, 
Just imagine, here's Belshazzar. He's this powerful guy, probably type A alpha male. He's gone to the bathroom in his pants. Like his robe is all wet. Like I don't know if it's stained. It's got a weird smell. And his mom comes in. What is she thinking? I mean, she's, I mean, you're, moms, I mean, what, are the, what is she thinking? What kind of, like, this is his father's son. Like, and then what does everybody else think? Oh, man, here comes Belshazzar's mom. Like, oh, man. Like, I'm sure there's some people who are like, I want to go, but it's the king. Like, I can't leave. Like, and she comes in and says, Where, where's the chief of your magicians? Where's the chief? So you notice he didn't call the chief of the magicians. She says, your predecessor made Daniel the chief of the, of the magicians and mediums because he was found to have an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, and intelligence, and the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems. So Belshazzar, where is Daniel? I'm sure she's just sitting there with her arms folded going, goodness. Like, when are you going to learn? Like... Like, and this is the moment too, okay? So this is the moment in community and relationships where like you see how God is speaking and moving in somebody else's life and you step back and you're like, I don't understand why you can't see this. <laughs> but do you know the thing when you think that about somebody else, they think the same thing about you. <laughs> like they sit across the table really patiently and kindly and they're like, how do you not see this is a bad idea? How do you not see how God is moving? And so the queen says, why didn't you get Daniel? See, now at this point, Daniel is close to 80, okay? Now, there's a few lessons in this that are really, really important that I don't want us to miss, okay? One, when you're young, it is easy to neglect the wisdom of people older than you. So here's Belshazzar in his 20s, and he's like, what do I want an 80-year-old at the party for? Like, he's older than my mom. Like, he's old. Like, I don't, I don't you know. And, and so, so he, he brings in his wise men. Well, who are his wise men? They're, they're all his age. Who are his advisors? They're all his age. Now, have you ever noticed something? No matter what age you are, if your advisors are all your age, you are all as smart as each other and you are all as foolish as each other. Now, here's the other thing. As you get older, and this is hard, be prepared to be forgotten. Here's Daniel. What has Daniel done? Daniel has simply just served faithfully to the king. He has put up with betrayal, people trying to get him killed. He has put up with Nebuchadnezzar and being a tyrant and being really difficult. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar is not like a nice guy. He's just faithfully served. He's done everything that God has asked him to do and more. He has done everything Nebuchadnezzar has asked him to do and more. And what, is, what does he get for it? He's the chief of the magicians. And when the king calls the magicians, he doesn't call Daniel. He's just forgotten. And some of us, in some relationships, whether at work, in family, with friends, feel like we've been discarded. 
because of our age, our faith. Right? I'm sure Belshazzar looked and was like, Daniel's not going to be into like drinking wine and stuff. Like he's going to be, you know, he's just going to sit there and, and we feel discarded. We feel disregarded. But part of resilience is asking for help when you need it, looking for wisdom from people who are ahead of you, and don't miss this. Having the ability to be gracious when people forget you. Because when Daniel comes in, the king doesn't throw himself at him. The king says in verse 13, he says, are you Daniel, one of the Judean exiles that my predecessor, the king, brought from Judah? Look, he doesn't come in and say, hey, are you the chief of the magicians? He knows who he is. He says, well, let me put you in your place, Daniel. Are you Daniel? You're a prisoner. You're an exile. My grandfather brought you here. Now, don't miss this. This is the king who went to the bathroom in his pants an hour ago, saying, just remember your place, Daniel. Like, the irony of this whole scene <laughs> is unbelievable to me. And then the king says, I've heard. I've heard that you have a spirit of the gods in you and that insight, intelligence, extraordinary wisdom are found in you. Like, I'm trying to, like, layer this with sarcasm because that's just how I imagine this verse reading. Like, Belshazzar just saying, like, I've, I've heard that maybe you could do something. My mom told me about you. You know, there's been stories. Like, just feel the sarcasm. And Daniel just stands there. And then the king says, I've heard that you can give interpretation and solve problems. Therefore, if you can read this inscription and give me its interpretation, you will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around your neck, and have the third highest position in the kingdom. Now, here's the irony of that last statement. He already has that position. Like, he already has that. Officially, on the org chart, he has that. But unofficially, Belshazzar is not using it. And so Belshazzar says, hey, if you do this, like, I'll give you all of these things basically that you already have, but it'll be a more official thing and I'll start caring about you. Now, here's the thing. This is why this is important. And we'll get, I love Daniel's response. But you and I, this is why community is so important when it comes to decision-making and resilience. You and I need people around us oftentimes to discern God's voice in our life. And here's why, okay? Like, in Daniel 5, the king hears God's voice, but he doesn't know what God is saying or what God is doing. Because the reason we need other people to step in and help us to discern something is because you and I get too close to stuff emotionally. We get too invested in it. We need people who are kind of outside of it who can say, yeah, that, that mm -mm, no, he's not right for you. This is not the moment to buy a house. This is not the moment to take that job. This is not the moment to jump off the cliff and see whether or not like your dream can come true. This is not that moment. Yeah, but all my friends think it's that moment. It's, it's not, like it's not. Because here's what we'll do. 
When we get that from people, when we hear that from the wisdom around us, we go, but you just don't understand. You don't see him like I do. You don't see her like I do. You just don't understand the feelings we have. You don't understand this is the last chance. You don't understand, like there's not, this is such an incredible opportunity. Like, I mean, all I have to do is buy $100 of this and I'm gonna get all of this. Like, you don't understand, this is not a pyramid scheme. I promise you, like, this is not a pyramid scheme at all. Sounds like a pyramid. It's not a pyramid scheme. We need the wisdom of people around us. This is why groups are so important. Because we show up at groups and we share the things that are going on in our life and people can say, hey, how do you not see that God is at work in this? Like, how do you not see that God has placed you in this job that you hate, but is exactly where you need to be? We need people around us to encourage us in that. But we avoid it. We avoid it. We avoid the wisdom of others because we just want people around us. We want Belshazzar's friends who are just going to tell us the things that we want to hear. That's why Daniel wasn't at the party. That's why Daniel didn't get invited with the other magicians. Belshazzar says, get the wise men, and Daniel didn't come. They didn't even, like, bother to ask him. And so when he says, I'll give you all of this stuff, Daniel just looks at him and says, you can just keep it. I'll tell you what it says. Like, I, I wonder what's going through Daniel's mind in this moment. Like, I wonder if he's just sitting there, like, has like a Clint Eastwood, like, kind of get off my lawn attitude about it, you know, I, like, or is he sitting there thinking like, well, I don't know if I want to tell you what it says. I'm not sure if you're going to listen. Like, we think like that when, we, when people ask for our advice. You know, we want to say, well, are you going to listen this time? Instead, he's just gracious about it. He doesn't say, you know what, I could have saved you all this trouble, you know, if you would have called me in the first time. Your mom didn't have to come in. Like, this whole scene could be different. Daniel 5 could be three verses, Belshazzar, if I would have been here. He doesn't say any of that. He tells him a story. He says, do you remember your predecessor? Do you remember your father and your grandfather? They all thought they were great. They all thought that they, because of their greatness and strength, that's why they had a kingdom. But God actually gave them this kingdom. And he says, and because they were king, because they, because they thought they had all this power, they thought they could do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, that they could take whoever they wanted, they could kill whoever they wanted. And in the end, God humbled them. And he said, but Belshazzar, look in verse 22, you, Belshazzar, you've not humbled your heart, even though you knew all of this. See, this is, this is a life lesson for us because so many times we think that the people who have walked before us, the things that they have experienced, students, you need to listen to this, the people who have walked before us, we think our lives will be different. I can do, the rules do not apply to me like they applied to them. I can do the things that they did and I will get a different result. That's what Belshazzar thinks. Daniel says, you knew all this stuff and you did exactly what your grandfather did. You just didn't think the rules applied to you. Instead, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of the heavens. The vessels from his house were brought to you, and as you and your nobles, your wives, concubines, drank wine from them, you praised the gods made of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or understand. But you have not glorified the God who holds your life breath in his hand and who controls the whole course of your life. Therefore, he sent the hand and this writing was inscribed. And Daniel tells him, the writing says that your days as a king and as the kingdom are ending. They're being brought to the end. 
Now, I want you to imagine this scene for a moment, okay? Like, you're invited to this party. Here's Belshazzar. Everybody's having fun. The music's jamming, and it's just like a great vibe. You know, as my 15-year-old tell me, like, they were vibing. And like, so they're sitting there, and the wine is flowing, and everything is great. And a hand shows up. The king soils himself. He's shaking. He's pale. Daniel comes in and says, your kingdom is over. Do you think everybody is like, this is not the night that I expected? Like, do you think anybody's standing there going like, I can't believe he said that to the king. Like, he just, what? Like, you can't say that. But that's the thing that kind of comes with the faith that Daniel has walked through. He has seen God protect him. He's standing there saying, hey, like, and this is part of resilient faith. Resilient faith and being able to hear God's voice and discern it and do what it says comes from a history of following after God's voice no matter what it costs us. Daniel says, your kingdom is coming to an end. Because you have been found deficient and you will be conquered by the Medes and the Persians and it will be divided up. But here's what's interesting about what Belshazzar does next. You would think this is bad news, but he still doesn't think that this applies to him. He's just been told, your kingdom will end and you're going to die. And so he gives the order and they clothe Daniel in purple, place a gold chain around his neck and issue a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And then, verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was killed. Darius the Mede received the kingdom at the age of 62. One detail that I left out that is just so fascinating is while this whole party was happening inside the walls of the Babylonian kingdom, the entire army of the Medes and Persians stood outside the wall and Belshazzar threw a party because he really just did not believe anything could happen to him. He really did not believe that the rules applied to him. He looked out and said, there's no way that they can get in here. And he didn't have anybody around him who said, hey, so that's an army. So here's one of the, this is where community comes in. Again, what things in your life are you missing because you only have the advisors in your life that tell you what you want to hear? Do you have anybody in your life that says, we should probably do something about that? Like that's, that's still an army outside the wall. We should probably do something. This is probably not the night for wine flowing. Who in your life can tell you the things that you don't want to hear? Who in your life can help you to see the things that you are missing? See, and, and, and here's something else that I think is really, really important to discerning God's voice. One reason we miss what God is saying to us is because we aren't willing to let go of what we thought our life would be like. See, Belshazzar missed what God was saying to him because getting conquered wasn't part of his plan. Some of us right now have been knocked down by life. Some of us have been knocked down by the decisions that other people have made. And we're having a hard time picking ourselves up and we're having a hard time hearing God's voice because our life is not at all where we thought it would be at this point. 
And I wonder if we miss what God is doing because we're not willing to let go of that dream. We're not willing to let go of what we hope for or what we imagine and embrace what God actually has for us. So God is speaking. God is always speaking to us. You and I just aren't always listening. And so as we close, we're going to close by singing what has been kind of a theme song for this series called I Stand. And as I mentioned, the reason that I believe that Daniel was able to stand there in this throne room and say, King, let me tell you how it's going to play out. Let me tell you what God is saying is because he has stood on the power of God throughout the entire book of Daniel. God has proven to be faithful to Daniel time and again, but notice, God has proven to be faithful not at all the way Daniel expected him to be faithful. And so as we sing this song, as we proclaim this, some of us need to proclaim it in a way of saying, God, help me to believe that you will always be faithful even if I don't expect it that way. Help me to believe that your plan is good for me even when it's not the plan that I imagined. Help me to believe that my family, my life, my career, my health is exactly where it's supposed to be even though it's not where I thought it would be. Because one of the worst things in life, I think, is for God to speak to us and for us to miss it. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you speak. I thank you that your grace continues to come after us even when we ignore you, even when we miss you, even when we ah, just, just don't do what you tell us to do. You keep speaking. You keep coming back to us. And so, God, I pray for those especially who know exactly what they're supposed to do with a situation, with a relationship, with a moment coming up this week. They know exactly what it is that you are calling them to do. And so, God, I pray that you would give them the courage that they need to follow your voice. God, I pray for those who are in a place of longing to hear your voice, of longing for you to answer a prayer, of longing for you to move in some way. God, as we sing this song and just remind ourselves that you are over all things, I pray for those who are in that place of longing that you will strengthen them that you will give them the endurance that they need to continue following after you. 